What's up, traders? Anthony Crudelli here, and we are live on Futures Radio Show, streaming on Periscope and YouTube. And boy, do I have a guest for you guys today, the godfather of market profile, Jim Dalton of Jim Dalton Trading, joins me today. We are going to have a ton of fun. We're going to talk about some stories from the pit. Jim is one of the best storytellers you will, uh, you will ever meet. So it's always great to hear some of the stories that Jim talks about from the days in the pit. We're going to do some analysis on the S&P. Of course, we're going to pull up Jim's charts and look at market profile. That and a whole lot more, everybody. So stay tuned here in just a moment while we bring Jim on. Futures Radio Show is sponsored by CME Group and Micro Treasury Futures are coming to CME on August 16th. To learn more, go to activetrader.cmegroup.com. Futures Radio Show is also sponsored by Trading Technologies, TradeStation, and FTSE Russell. The Russell 2000 is a key benchmark for small cap U.S. stocks. Be sure to check out the E-mini Russell 2000 future symbol, RTY, and Micro E-mini Russell 2000 future symbol, M2K. To learn more about FTSE Russell and their products, please go to footsierussell.com. Back in 15 seconds with Jim Dalton. Get S&P 500 and NASDAQ 100 by the slice. Just one-tenth of the pie. Trade the tastiest index futures, micro e-mini options with TradeStation. Get a piece of the pie now. We've got Jim Dalton live, everybody. Jim, how are you, my friend? Good morning, Anthony. Good morning. Nice to see you. So we're going to start off, we're going to jump right into it today. And we called this the episode with the godfather of market profile. We've got so many people always sending me messages wanting more and more shows about market profile. And you are really the man when it comes to market profile. And for those out there that don't know why I called you the godfather of market profile, give us that story about just the beginning of how you got involved with market profile. Many years ago, I was... Uh working in my office and I was doing graphs and trying to look at places where I would buy puts and calls. And I had these distribution charts. A friend of mine from the grain floor walked in. He said, oh, you must know Pete Stoudemire. I said, no, I've never heard of him. He said, this looks like you're doing market profile. I said, no, I, I don't know market profile and I don't know Pete Stoudemire. He said, can I bring Pete up to introduce him? I said, sure. So a couple of days later, Pete comes into the office and, and we meet, and within about two minutes, I understood what a find he had made. He was a um, graduated in statistics, I believe, from Stanford. And as a statistician, you're concerned with distribution charts. And in order to have a distribution chart, you need a constant and a variable. And what Pete discovered is you could create a distribution chart by using time as a constant and time as a variable. And all that does is just organize the data under a distribution curve. And of course, another thought of a distribution curve, it's an informational graphic that allows you to see some really important information that's very complex, but in a manner that is more pleasant and easier for us to interpret. So Pete and I talked for a few minutes. He walked out to the elevator, walked back in, he said, uh, you want to sponsor my first book? He and Kevin Coy were doing a book on market profile. And I said, how much? He said, 10000 And I wrote him out a check for $10,000. And that was my introduce, uh, introduction to market profile. 
afterwards, I thought, am I nuts? But as it turned out, it was uh, probably one of the best investments I've ever made. Man, I tell you, it is every time I hear that story, I love it. And because you have vision, you had vision that this tool could be used by so many traders. And what I think is so interesting about this, and what year was this, Jim, that you did that? Oh, it probably was around 1973. Careful, my memory's gone a little bit. So everyone just put that in perspective. There is no screen trading then. It's not even a thought at this point. The only people looking at charts were people that were off the floor and forwarding orders in. And it, most people, at least even the times I was there in the mid to early 90s, nobody was uh, really actively looking at screens while they were trading. Most of us were either obviously in the pit, but a lot of the traders, they would print up their charts and a lot of it was done on paper to where we would look at it, make our decision, and then we go and trade the price action. This is something that is so far advanced <laughs> before screen trading even comes in. And that takes me to how you actually use market profile because you were able to use this from seeing the pit, understanding how the pit operated to eventually evolving on the screen. So you've been using this for a lot of years. And one thing I know, because I've talked about this with you on the show is that you don't think that market profile is truly your edge. You use it, it's, you use it as a tool, we'll say. I'm sure you'll correct me on exactly in how you use it. But, but explain to everybody how you use market profile. The market profile is nothing but a distribution curve. And scientists for years have tried to organize data under a distribution curve so that it's better, it's easier for them to tease information from that organized graphic. And that's really all I do. It's just, it's easier to see what's going on because I can picture it. Historically, when you were on the floor, you got your information via sound. You, when you heard, as you said yesterday, if all of a sudden you heard the noise level in the crowd go up, you knew something was going on and you wandered back into the trading pit. Yep. And that didn't give the transparency to the outside world. There was an advantage to being on the, on the floor. One advantage was you bought on the bid, sold on the offer, and you had very small fees. But the information that you had there was really captured in a very for a very small audience. Once we went to screen-based trading and you could look at the market profile, it gave you a different way to gain insight into the market. On the floor, the only way information got into your brain was through through the ears, through a sound. When the profile came around, you now could see what was going on. So it changed the input from sound to sight. So sight of all the senses we have, sight is the only way that we get information into our brain. Once we get it into our brain, it goes into a very complex structure. And over time, it actually restructures the internal makings of our brain and how we look and visualize the markets. That's such a great explanation of what it is. And one of my favorite parts of one of our conversations in the past is you said, if I walked into a room, Anthony, and somebody said to me, what's the average height of everybody in here? You remember when you told me this? I don't know if you do or not. You said it yeah, was like, I, yeah, I did it from the point of view. If I had a barbecue in my backyard and there was 50 people out there and they said, what's the average height? I said, I don't know. So I walked out and I just organized those people under a distribution curve. I put the tallest ones in the center, taper them down and 
Oh, I said, oh, it's probably about uh, about 510. As the barbecue goes on, some people leave and more people come in. I do that same reorganization an hour later. And they say, oh, my golly, look how it's changed. It was 510. Now it's about 56. So I graphically can see the change that's taking place in the market. Yeah. And I mentioned that it's not your edge. And I know that so many traders out there just look at market profile and their trading. What else do you look at alongside with your market profile? I'm asking, I was embarrassed the other day. I made a comment to you and you said, Jim, that's before my time. I'm 81. <laughs> and obviously I still think I'm 20. So I uh, was embarrassed to say that. But as you remember, and I asked you this morning, When I was on the floor, it was always important to know who was sending in the orders. There were firms, and some of these firms I mentioned you may not know or others may not know. They're not around anymore. But we had a firm called Refco. Was the order coming from Refco? Was it coming from Goldman Sachs? Was it coming from Solomon Brothers? Or was it coming from Dean Witter, which, of course, has morphed into a bigger operation? But the idea was if the orders were coming from Goldman Sachs, the traders on the floor knew that they were probably more sophisticated orders and had higher odds of being meaningful and carrying through to the direction of the order. If the orders were coming from Dean Winter, which was a retail firm, then they thought there was less reliance on that being a meaningful order for continuation. And that always stuck in my mind. You wanted to know who you were competing against. If you're going to fade that, you're going to fade Goldman Sachs uh, if you're a trader, or you're going to f- fade Dean Witter. When we're looking at the market profile, when I see that the references on a day where I see traders are buying at half back from the 30-minute bar or half back from the, the day or half back from overnight, I know that those are the smallest and weakest traders. They're using very exacting levels to come in and and buy. So I know that my competition is weaker hands, day time frame traders. And that gives me an edge. If I see a day where the market's not even paying any attention to those references, then I've got a pretty good idea that I've got some more serious, whether it's investment money or more serious trading money that I'm dealing with. So knowing who I'm competing against really provides an edge for me. It's like I played a lot of um, racquetball over the years. It made a difference for playing a left-handed player or a right-handed player. Shame on me if I forgot to notice. (laughs) So everybody knows we were talking the other day. I was talking to Jim on the phone and we were just talking about what I was doing for the day. I actually was going golfing and then I was going to play gin at night and he made a, a reference back back to the Nixon days. And, and I was like, I don't remember that. That's probably a little bit before my time. It was pretty funny. Jim, talk to the traders out there about, there's so many traders out there building strategies using market profile. And I love that. I think it's a great tool. I've talked about this, that I think it's really a lot of what you talked about and how market profile is a tool uh, for you and your trading. Uh, I think so many traders can gain an edge by doing it. But for the traders out there that are just focused maybe on market profile or volume profile, explain to them maybe what they should be looking at beyond it. Because I think that's one of the things that I know from a lot of the market profile people that I see learning about it is that they get so fixed on just looking at the profile that they don't necessarily look at the charts. I'm not saying that's right or wrong, but try to give them an overall 
kind of thought process on how to use it in their strategy and alongside other things, maybe to help with confirmation and other things like that? I think that what happens to too many traders, and I have not only my experience as being on the floor, but I always also was president of a discount futures trading firm in Chicago many years ago. And the average, uh, when we had the discount futures firm, the average uh, length of an account was about seven weeks. So the burnout rate was unbelievable. And too many people are just too anxious to follow the herd and follow price. Clearly, momentum is the most common form of trading there is. But what you really need to do is be able to put context around that momentum trading. So one of the things that, that I always look for is value represents one standard deviation. So if your day's range, you take the point of control, the fairest price at which business is being conducted, and you extrapolate till you get probably one, one standard deviation, which is just a little under 70%. So all it does, it just cuts off the rough edges. But you get a better idea that you're trading value versus price. And then you're trying to get some idea that is value building higher today? Is it lower? Is it overlapping? And then you see, is there a direction to the market? If there's a direction to the market, is the profile getting too extended? Is it getting too truncated? Is higher prices bringing in more volume or higher prices bringing in less volume? No difference when you were on the floor. If the market went up to the yesterday's high, for example, and you remember, if it went up to yesterday's high and you were traders were bidding, the palms of your hands would be toward you. And if it went up and they're going to take out that high and you get more flow of business comes in, the volume picks up. If all of a sudden you get up near yesterday's high and the volume dies down, meaning the noise level goes down, as a good floor trader, you automatically became a seller because you knew that higher prices were cutting off activity versus higher prices bringing in more activity. And that was very powerful information to you. You got a lot of that true sound. Well, now we look at the profile. We look at the shape of the profile to give us some idea of what is really going on in the market. For example, if we open within yesterday's trading range, I'll say around the center of yesterday's trading range, guess what? There's no real change relative to yesterday. More than likely, we're going to get a rotational trading day. The rotational trading day, now what are you looking for? You're looking for smaller opportunities more often. You open outside of yesterday's range, well, maybe you've got a bigger opportunity. Either you're going to get a trend day to the upside or if you open outside of yesterday's say to the upside and it fails, maybe you've got a trend day to the downside. So now you're looking for bigger opportunities and rather than just smaller opportunities. So it over time, it gives you a better perspective of what to be looking for. This is why I asked you that question, because I think context is so important. And that's exactly the way I look at it is that so many traders, I know from my own experience that once I found a tool that I liked and I thought that this was the answer. I would just get so fixated on just looking at this one thing over and over again, and I would lose sight of what's actually happening around me. And I think that's what I see so many traders when building their strategies lose sight of. They think that just because they found one thing that works maybe on market profile, that's the only thing they have to focus in on. And then they're just going to keep taking that one trade, but it's not, it's about building an overall strategy and understanding the context of it. I know we're going to go to the charts here in a little bit. 
And we're going to get into a little bit of a deeper dive as to how you look at market profile. But before we get into that, I want to talk a little bit more about the transition from uh, sound to sight, because I don't think that's really talked about enough. I think this is one of the biggest issues that I see from so many traders that try to make the transition from pit to screen. But now you have all these new traders coming in and all they can, they understand is sight, obviously what's in front of them. And for me, because I had the balance of both and I know exactly what you're saying and how, what triggered me and to walk into the pit. I remember walking into the pit. If there's nobody saying anything, I'd walk right out. I would know right away. So I didn't need to actually see something to recognize it was slow. Nowadays, people come in and like you said, the average time that people lasted when you were in there was only seven weeks. And I think it's because people burn out. They don't understand environment as much. What are some of the things that you come into every single morning. I know you put your tweets on and talk about it for you to recognize through sight using market profile to identify what the environment is like. Before I get to market profile at the end of each day, you know, cause I'm a short term trader. I'm a day trader. Occasionally I'll carry something overnight, but by the end of the day, your thinking is so narrow that as soon as the market closes, I have to make sure that I can free my mind from that very narrow thinking. So the first thing I, I do is I go to the monthly bar chart just to get a perspective. So I look at the monthly, for example, right now for eight, nine, 10 months, whatever it is, we're one time framing higher. So clearly I know the trend is up. Next, I go to the weekly bar chart to see if that shows me any deterioration. Then I end up with the daily bar. If there's going to be any change take place in the monthly, it's always going to start with the daily. So once I get the daily bar, I've got that perspective. So right now I go and the trend is up. Then I look and I say, wait a minute, over the last several weeks, yes, the trend is up and the market keeps eking out new highs, but it's really, there's really not a lot of umph to the upside. And I equate it to something that I remember Stottlemyre saying years ago, if, if you and I took a quarter or a half dollar and spun it on our desk, we would notice it with the spin would get less and less till finally there was no energy left and it would go flat. That's what I'm looking at right now in the market that we keep going higher, but it's that spinning coin. It goes flat much faster. So once I've got that perspective, then I come down to the market profile and the market profile is like putting what's going on. What I see in the bar charts under a microscope to give me a much we lost Jim. He'll be back. But while we lost him, I don't know if his internet dropped or something, but this is something that's so important for traders. And this is why I asked Jim that question is to understand context. Jim mentioned how traders after seven weeks, they get, they were getting opening up accounts and getting burned out. And it's because number one, they come in with two high expectations. I'm going to talk with Jim about this. Once we get him back, I think that they also come in and they just look for something to do every single day. They don't put in that overall big picture that Jim was talking about looking at everything before he even goes to market profile. And so many guys and girls, we got Jim back. Let me add him here. Sorry, Jim, we lost you for a second. I'm going to finish on one quick thought, then I'll let you finish. And I was just commenting and saying that this is why we lose, I think, so many new traders is because what happens is they come in, 
And their expectations, number one, to make money right away every day is always an issue. I think you come in with too high expectations, you're going to get burned. But they also come in and try to expect the result every single day. And they don't recognize they... Jim, can you hear me? While I'm yes, I can. This? Okay, good. And they come in and they also find one thing. I was guilty of this myself, the fib or whatever it is that they like. And then they just try to do that every single day. And they just lose sight of everything happening around them. And they don't come into the day recognizing the context and the environment and putting and building an overall strategy. Because that's what an overall strategy is. It's market profile is a tool within your strategy. You have to get to the point to where you look at it. And like you were mentioning that you're in this mindset before you even look at market profile of understanding the overall environment. And so many people out there will say, well, I'm a day trader, Anthony. I, I only need to look at this. And you, here's you, Jim, you, just, you said it. I'm a day trader. I look at monthly charts and you're looking at daily charts because you need to recognize what's happening on the bigger picture to put it in context what's happening on the market profile. So I'm, I, I know we lost you. I don't know if you lost your train of thought or where you were. I just wanted to comment on that because I thought it was really well put and extremely important. Thank you. And it's a combination of, uh, to continue where you were, most people think that what they really need is just an understanding of the market. And actually it's far more complicated than that. It's a combination of market understanding and self-understanding. Bingo. You have to give, grab the market understanding first because unless you understand the market, you're not going to be able to really investigate self-understanding weaknesses that you might have. So what comes first? But it's an equal split between what is important as you gain experience in the market. So once you get to that, once you get to that level, then you start to say, I've looked at my charts, I've looked at my profiles. Now I come down early in the morning, we're getting ready to open the market. As a short-term trader, the first thing I focus on is overnight activity. About 70% of the time, there is a counter auction or a reversal, or at least a partial reversal, relative to overnight inventory. And I remember when I first started talking about overnight inventory, there were a lot of big institutional traders who said, well, that guy doesn't know what he's talking about. We don't trade overnight. There's not enough volume, not enough depth. And I would just laugh and I said, exactly, that's the point of it. And that's why we have so many counter auctions because so much of the trading that takes place overnight is by weaker hands traders. Today is a wonderful example. When the market opened today, overnight inventory was 100% short. And we measure that very simply. We just take yesterday's settle. If the majority of trade took place below yesterday's settle, Overnight inventory is short. Took place above over yesterday's settle. Overnight inventory is long. If it splits, it's balanced. We came in today and everybody's sitting there waiting for the, the big inflation number. The whole market was short. The whole market was short, 100% short. The number came out and all of a sudden you get a big short covering rally to the upside, which was really overnight inventory. Then your next question is, okay, did I have just short covering or was I joined by new money? And you start to look at the profile this morning and then you get into something that's less tangible, but it's the momentum feeling the, the tempo of the market. And it wasn't there. It just died. And they couldn't even take out the overnight high. Then before we went on this program, the market started to break. What happens to a lot of people, if they don't understand, they mistake that short covering rally 
for something that's more potent. And all that was old business or short covering can actually weaken a market. When the market's too short, that provides support to the market because there's potential buying. Once you remove that, if there's no new buying coming in, you've actually weakened the market, which is what happened today. We're going to go to the charts after we take a break here. But before we go and take that break and, and get to your screens, what would you say is Jim Dalton's edge in trading? <laughs> experience, many years of experience, many mistakes, many scars. And it really comes down to the, to the self-understanding, which is very hard to learn. I never had a mentor. I was telling you the story the other day when I first went on the floor of the board of trade, one of the old timers put his arm around me and said, he said, Jim, he said, as pros, we fade the gaps. As I've yeah. looked over the years, I can't think of a worse piece of information that I've <laughs> ever been given. So experience, I think, without a doubt, is one of the most important things that trader need, traders need to recognize as an edge that you need time. If you were to say on the charts, how would you look at, because we're going to go there in a second, how would you look at your charts to say, these are the things I look at to, to give me an edge. I and mean, how many charts do you have up? I know today we're probably going to focus mostly on the market profile chart, but what do you think your edge is technically? It, it's really, it's experience because you're looking, I only have, the only thing I have up is a market profile chart. I don't have any other charts that I look at. What you're going to see today, I trade off of a laptop. You're going to see 100% what I have. The only other thing that I occasionally add is the 100-day and 200-day moving average because larger institutions and larger uh, pools of capital do look at those two indicators. Now, somebody said, what about the 10-day and the 20-day and the 50-day? They may be relevant, but I can see those things happening in the profile where you'll see the market will show resistance or it'll just kind of slow down in there. I don't want to clutter my product. Too many people have too much information they have a belief that more information is better. There yeah. is no psychological studies that I've ever found that indicate more is better. It's more being more selective, having fewer things that are more important. More selective. That's exactly right. I remember a time where I had eight screens up and I felt like I really needed them. I couldn't one one down and I felt like I couldn't even trade. Now I have one screen and a laptop next to me and I feel like I'm better than I've ever been. <laughs> and I have so much less uh, clutter around me. I think that my mind is just so much more focused. I see these people posting pictures of their, all these screens and all this stuff. And as a day trader, to me, that's, yeah, I understand if you're trading a bunch of different markets, it's always going to be personal, but as experience has taught me, be more selective, be smarter well, about it. Cognitive dissonance is really the downfall of most traders. And Cognitive distance comes up a lot of times when you have too many indicators. One says buy, one sell before long. You have no idea what to do. I really do think there's some value in keeping it simple, but keep it simple has to be backed by experience. Yeah, absolutely. And I also see the mistake that a lot of traders make is they'll have multiple momentum indicators and they'll have multiple similar indicators that are almost doing the same thing. I don't think that so many people recognize that a lot of these indicators are really almost the same. They're not much different. If you have one momentum indicator and then another momentum indicator and another one, uh, to me, focusing on three different momentum indicators is going to be more harmful than good. I think it's, if you like that type of indicator, pick one, figure out how to get good at executing and using that one. You don't need you know, 
multiple ones of them. And basically what we focus on is putting context around momentum. And that's where most people go wrong. They're just, they're clear, simple momentum followers. And like I say, you've got momentum, but momentum's going up on lower volume. That's certainly different than momentum going up on higher volume. You're going up with momentum, giving you a fairly elongated profile, not overly elongated. That's healthy going up with momentum, but you're getting a truncated profile. That's not as healthy. So it's a ability to put context around momentum. Heraclitus, the the Greek philosopher said, no real learning starts without context. And I think most people, they don't want to take the time to learn context. Context is not easy No, because there's many pieces that form context. Momentum is very simple, but just ask yourself, what are your results? From your history, what what I've anecdotally what I've been told is only about five percent of the traders that were successful on the floor were able to transition from off the floor and be successful upstairs traders. Do you have any indication that's not a good number? From my personal experience, I would say that's probably pretty close. And I would say that one of the biggest reasons was exactly what you talked about in and when you have sound versus sight. So one of my best friends who he and I, we traded together, we did the ARB uh, and the E-mini versus the pit for uh, the bigs for a while. Brilliant trader. Great. He couldn't sit down and just stare at the screen all day as well. Like his whole mindset was so different. And like as good as he was, he sit at the screen. And I think without sound, he struggled. And I think that this is where I see a lot of the really, I would say this too the successful traders that I know that have left the pit to come to the screens from packs to, to several of them on the future side, they, they took one simple thing that they had from the floor and tried to learn how to do that using that on uh, using the screen on the screens. But besides maybe uh, packs and a couple others, majority of them ended up going and using market profile, which I think because of the way you explained that, and, and it's something that they're used to seeing because even on the floor, a lot of the guys would actually do market profile or point and figure on their on their chart, on their paper chart, we'll say it. So they were able to do it. But I don't know the exact number, but I can tell you it's probably right around there. And and, and it's really because of like, we, like, like the things I mentioned that you talked about today. It's hard to train your mind against that. I know when even for me, I was a screen trader on the floor who had a lot of success looking at the pit and the sound was a big part of it. When I went upstairs in the office, I was like, oh, man freak me out because all of a sudden I'm a busybody when there's nothing going on yeah, and that's hard to to do. So I had to train myself, even though I wasn't really in the pit for too long, how to start slowing things down. And I think that that's, I would say was probably the most difficult transition for me and, and most other traders, but it goes back to everything else. If you want it, you got to put the time in. It took me a while, <laughs> years. Well, the site gives you so much more transparency than you had on the floor, particularly for off-floor oh. traders. But it takes a while to learn and appreciate that transparency. Too many traders are taking educational courses from traders that came off the floor, and they're still teaching things that they used on the floor, which is really a, a travesty because they're not relevant. I totally agree with you, 100%. I take some of the skill set that I learned by watching some of the best traders trade, and I learned a whole bunch of different things and through that and more things that I could list or even talk about right now, but my actual strategy and where I started to make money is so different. It's, it's just not the same at all. You really 
you have to commit to a whole new type of learning. You could take some skill set from it. And I definitely think there's some things that people could learn from explore traders, but the, the best screen traders are doing it from a place of where they're looking at the screen and they're developing something about what's in front of them. I, I think you just said, keep saying it best is sound versus sight. There's just so many different elements that were occurring at that time for you to be able to make decisions that may have, that may look or appear like they really worked. But when you go to the screen and you don't have that additional element surrounding it, it doesn't amount to much. I think that's the other thing is you're just in a different environment and you, you don't have certain things that could, I would say, confirmation. A perfect example would be I get ready to buy, right? As we're making highs and it's totally quiet in the pit and I go to buy, right? My, my chart says buy and I look at it and all of a sudden it just sits there. It's chopping me around. It upticks a little bit. I buy more. All of a sudden I'm just sitting there getting chopped up. When you're on the floor, you wouldn't have done that. If you bought and all of a sudden Proz or Joey's going to even bid and I'm all of a sudden I'm buying more quarters at that it, because I know that the biggest guys in there are bidding. Well, now that's obviously something that <laughs> I can look at my chart and say, yeah, it told me this. But uh, how do you recognize doing that or not doing that if you don't have the big guys around you? So I'm completely with you. It's very. There's one thing that's not different. You remember in the crowd, you'd be in a trading pit and you always had one or two really large traders, right? Yeah. And all of a sudden, they would realize that the smaller traders in the full, in the pit were all leaning the same way. And all of a sudden, and remember, this is what I said earlier. If your hands, if the palms of your hands are out, you're selling. The palms of your hands are in, you're buying. So if I'm a big trader in the pit, and all of a sudden I realize that almost all the small traders have gotten themselves long. All of a sudden, I'm standing at the top step of the pit palms out and I'm selling everything. And all of a sudden you get this huge crescendo to the downside. And then as the big trader, all of a sudden, as the panic is setting in and the, they're killing himself, all of a sudden my palms are towards me and I'm buying it back. You see that same thing take place on screen-based trading. Yeah, You can see where the, the, when I talked about the importance of references before, when I see a market going up and we had one the other day, you see a market going up and you see all the references are weak. Now, that means when I say weak, they were at exacting levels, half back from the last 30 minute bar. When I see that, I know those are the weakest traders. And all of a sudden, as the market gets way up there, you get this huge spike to the down. All that was some smarter hedge fund or trading money with larger size just comes in and palms are out and they start selling. And they now they try and time that a little bit more towards the end of the session because so many traders can't go home long because of personal choice. But the majority of them, they, they hold on. If the market's going up, for example, they hold on to the last minute, but they can't go home long because their clearing firm won't allow it because they're not, they're undercapitalized. So all of a sudden, at that last minute, they nobody's going to buy it. Somebody that's pretty smart comes in and they start unloading and selling the market craters, and that's it. Then these big guys buy it back, and then you see shortly after the close, the market starts to drift back up again. It's the same game that you saw go on the floor. It was just smarter traders understanding what was going on with the weaker competition. Oh, yeah. 
And Paul, Paul Asmar, he actually put a comment in there, and it reminds me of something that I, I want to do. And, and if you be game for this, Jim, I know you got you on live here with everybody, but I want to bring on some explore guys like Paul Pax and do a bunch of us and do a live conversation about this at some point. A lot of what you've done has helped so many of these traders and so many of these traders that have never been on the floor to understand how to make a living on the screen using market profile as a tool. So I think at some point we've got to get a lot of these guys and Paul, how you doing, my friend? Great to have you in here today. So I think that, I think we got to do that, Jim. I think we're going to have a bunch of us in here. It would be a really good time. We're going to take a break here in a minute, everybody. And what we're going to do when we come back is we're going to go to the charts with Jim. A lot, one of the, I see all your questions. Keep putting them in there because we're going to do a lot of Q and A with Jim. But one of the things that a lot of people have been asking is what's your favorite look on market profile? What, what, are, what is the, the, or the number one, how your setup looks and what are the things that you're focused on when you look at the profile? So we're going to get to that question and a whole lot more. So while we take a break, everybody, while Jim's getting his charts up, enjoy this clip from Merritt Black and I last week on the show. We'll be back in just over a minute. What's that next phase? Because I think this is where... I could see traders all of a sudden saying, I've done this, and then they get ahead of themselves. And all of a sudden it's, I want more. They start to see a little bit of success. And then all of a sudden, they're not that student anymore. They come in, they place performance expectations on themselves. There are days where losing a little bit of money is a great day for you. It's what you should do and, and you executed flawlessly. So the biggest mistake that people make at, at that phase where they start to put it together is well, now I've got this thing figured out. So I demand this and I expect this on a short-term basis. And now performance goes out the window because you lose your objectivity totally. and you lose that innocence. You lose the love of markets. You lose the purity that comes with being open-minded and being egoless as a student would. Trade the global markets with trading technologies. TT is the world's fastest commercially available futures trading platform. Now with integrated tools for advanced options trading, cryptocurrencies, and trade surveillance. Learn more at tradingtechnologies.com. All right, everybody, we are back with Jim. Loving this conversation so far, my friend. Thank you so much for joining me. Now, we want you to pull up your chart. So if you could go to your screen and, and start to share it. And then once that goes, I'll let you get set up with doing that real quick. And everybody, while you're listening to this, start putting some questions in. We're going to be looking at Jim's charts and then we're going to be doing a lot of questions. And a lot of the questions were about inventory. We're actually going to ask Jim to, to go through his process for the day. And, and he talked about how he looks at monthlies and, and other things before he even gets to his market profile. And so we're going to go through a bunch of stuff. So start putting your questions in there, put the chart questions in there now, and then at the end, we'll also go back to using or just Jim and I just doing some questions about things that maybe don't necessarily pertain to the charts. But oh, we got double white cap in here as well. We need to have him. D-Dub, we, we were talking about right before the break and that Paul, you, I think a bunch of the market profile guys out there. I'd love to do a big market profile event where we have Jim as a centerpiece and just all of us talk about how we've all. Uh, use it and appreciate you know the knowledge that Jim has shared with us and and I think we got to get that set up. But Jim, we're here with you today. What are we looking at? Are you looking? Is my chart showing? Yeah, everything's showing. We're good. Okay. The first thing we come in here is yesterday's settle at the forty four thirty level. Notice, as I said earlier, a hundred percent of overnight inventory was short. 
And my say short is because all the trading took place below the settle. It's just a simple calculation. So this all the anticipation people were going to get rich because the number this morning was going to be negative and the market was going to really break. Guess what? The market didn't. You've got this huge short covering rally. When the number came out this morning, and incidentally, I never look at the number. I will not look at the number. I don't want to hear anybody's analysis of the number. All I want to know is what the market does with that number. Because I don't know what the whisper number was. I don't know what the adjustments to prior periods. And I'm not smart enough to know all the components that make that up. All I'm interested in is when the number is coming, because I know that's probably going to give me increased volatility in the market. Then I want to see what real money people with not with a suit that's talking on some TV or something. I want to know what real people with real money are doing in the market. So the number comes out this morning, 100% short overnight, and the market goes up and makes a new high in the all-time in the market in the overnight session or in the Globex session. Then you're looking and saying, okay, do we get any follow-through? And you weren't getting the follow-through to the market. Then you get all this enthusiasm. What happens to a lot of traders? They get the short covering from overnight. The momentum traders in particular, they think, wow, that price movement, they don't understand that short covering can weaken a market. That gets them long chasing that price movement. When there's no upside, then they're caught and you get into liquidation. And that's what happened this morning. The more prominent an, an overnight point of control is, the greater the odds that the market will get pulled back towards that level. Now, I can't tell you exactly how wide it has to be. It's something you learn via experience. So we got the momentum traders overly enthusiastic this morning, looking for the big kill, and there's no follow through. Then you get the late liquidation as the disappointment sets in. Now, when you talk about what do I look at, notice that the low for the day in E period is exactly at the settle from yesterday. That is not a strong low. It may hold for the day. But when you ask yourself, who buys it exactly at the settle price? That in weaker hands of traders that are looking at exacting levels, that's not smart money. It's not institutional money. With one exception, you could have two people that buy here at the settle. One could be a really poor trader. The other could be a brilliant trader. It's what I call a fast trader. Somebody says, okay, I have a pretty good idea what short-term traders are going to do here. So they come in and they buy this. This is what I identify as a fast trade. And all they want to do, they just get the pop. They take it, the short covering from this, and they're out because they know that the odds of this being lasting aren't particularly good. But so one trader has thinks this is a great buy. Another trader says, okay, I know what short-term traders are going to do. This is a hard trade to do because in do this trade, you are always executing opposite of the most recent market activity. But this is what I call a fast trade. And the best way to understand that, there's a book by uh, Daniel Kahneman, Thinking Fast and Slow. We Different people process information differently. A fast processor isn't necessarily negative. 
nor is a slow processor. It's just the way our brains work. These type of trades that are going to be a fast trader, this is my substitute for what we commonly refer to as scalping. The person that buys down here, they haven't, they just bang. It's just, it's a trade. They don't fall in love with it. They don't overthink it. If you're one of these people that say, let me see if it's going to work, you're not a fast trader. This is just a response type of trade. You're in it for a very short period of time. And so anyhow, you look at that and you say, okay, next I look and I say, okay, what is value doing today? This is overnight value. I do not pay any attention to overnight value. This is yesterday's value on the far left. So value today is building overlapping to higher. It's the shaded blue area. So today's value is overlapping to higher with a new high. This gets complicated of all the things going through my mind. We now have value that's overlapping to higher. We have a weak low, and I call it a weak low because of its exactness to the settle. We have a weak G period high because it's exactly at half back. This white line is half back. And when I'm looking at this, I've got an all-time high that occurred during Globex hours. It is the odds, not impossible, but the odds are small that the all-time high will remain during Globex. Have I seen it happen? A couple of times, but not very often. There's probably been 50 times in the last year or two where the Globex high looked like the market was going to weaken and it came back and took it out. That's a lot of things I'm looking at one time in here. And then I'm looking at values higher. Don't like the G period high. Don't like the E period low. And guess what? If I don't like a market and I'm not clear on what's going on, I don't have to trade. I just walk away. And you heard Anthony say before, if he walked on the floor and there was no noise, he walked away. He knew there was nothing going on. Now, you can't hear the noise now, but I can see here how quiet the market is. Guess what? I'll go, I'll go take a walk. I'm just, I got my, my information was early because I thought the market, the odds were pretty good that the market was too short. No momentum. I thought there was pretty good odds for a break. You got a liquidating break, nothing more. If you got, it was anything more, if it was a combination of liquidation and new money selling, you're not going to stop exactly at the settle. If you had a combination of liquidation and new money selling, you're going to go right through this settle when it didn't. So all I'm looking at old business, which was liquidation, but it wasn't followed by new business selling. Okay. Blah, blah, Got blah. <laughs> okay. A lot of questions here. So I want to try and get through these pretty quickly because there's a lot of questions about the chart stuff. So the first one was Rajinder asked, so Jim's flat going into news events. Do you have positions going into the events or no? If I do, it will be hedged. How? I may, go, I may go in hedged. I will never go into a news event with an unhedged position. And, and keep him for clarity. If I own a put or a call, oh, that okay. might be my hedge. So use options. I use options. But if I would never go into a, an announcement, either long or short, unhedged futures. The risk reward isn't worth it as a short-term trader. So even as an intraday short-term trader, you're still using options. I think that's pretty good. I, I use them a lot, yes. And, and there's some flexibility because you can, if you're, I was, for example, I was long puts this morning, but I could go long futures against those puts, or I could go 
long out-of-the-money calls against those puts. So there's different. It's really a combination of market understanding, self-understanding, plus your strategy. And the strategies can get fairly complicated, but it still comes down to the basic understanding of what is the trend. And right now, the long-term trend is up. Don't fight the trend. You want to lose a lot of money? Continually fight the trend. You get these biases. And when I get questions about, Jim, don't you think this is eventually going to cause the market to break? I come right back and I said, I'm going to guess that as a short-term trader, you're asking that question. I'm going to guess that you're carrying a bias and that you're probably continually shorting the market and getting taken out. And it's amazing how many times I will get back. Yes, as a short-term trader, as a daytime frame trader, so much of what you do is constant correction of inventory. Last night, inventory got too short overnight. The first rally this morning was a short covering rally. Then we went from too short and short-term inventory got too long. Then we got liquidation and we got too short. And most people don't understand that how much of short of daytime frame trading revolves around inventory getting too long and too short. And it may get too long later in the day, too short, too long. It's constant because you've got so many short-term traders just following price. Another question is, does Jim split the profile in 30-minute bar for extra context? I'm sorry, what was the question? Do you you split the profile in 30-minute bar for extra context? I don't, sorry, I don't understand the the question. I keep it in 30 minutes. This is a combined profile. This is a split-out profile, so I can see if the market's one time framing higher or lower. 30 minutes is the shortest time period that I use. Captain Axelrod is asking, can you please elaborate? Say, in other words, how you judge if there is activity or not from just looking at TPO. I have to rely on time and sales for that. I will never look at time and sales. I will never look at time and sales. I will never look at order flow. I think there's just too many ways to mislead yourself. One of the things, and this cannot be taught, it's tempo or pace. When I look at this market this morning, the pace, here's the high, the pace was just unbelievably slow. That is probably the most important piece of information is what is the pace? What is the tempo of the market? As the market came down, tempo was just grindingly slow. This would be equivalent to Anthony say, walked in the crowd, there was no noise. There wasn't anything really going on. But I will never look at time and sales and I will never look at order flow. I look and I see the flow of the market and tempo or pace. And you're only going to learn that via experience. It can't be taught. It's like sitting in the stands of a baseball game and thinking you're going to learn to be a batter by sitting in the stands. You're only going to learn to be a batter by putting your hands on that bat. And once you get that, it's still going to take you a considerable period of time to gain that experience. One of the things that I didn't mention, and and people won't do it, I talk about it, but if I were to say somebody's starting out trading right now, I would give you three or four books to read before you start, and they wouldn't be on the market. They would be David Eagleman's book, uh, The Brain, The Story of You, the companion piece to the PBS story. Then they would be Incognito, which is 
Eagleman's book on understanding uh, the subconscious and how it built. And finally, it would be his latest book, at least I think it's the latest book, called Live Wired. And it's a single word, but how the brain changes. Because so much of what goes on in the market goes on in your head. One of the most powerful weapons that we have is our mind and our intuition. But you have to hone that intuition. If you don't hone your intuition, you're generally wrong. If you hone that intuition, you can use the most powerful piece of information available to you. Computers can do a wonderful job of processing on one level. Our subconscious, our brains can do parallel processing on multiple levels at the same time. But to take, you need to understand that in order, I think, to really start to advance as a professional trader. Oh, I 100% agree with that. Anybody who's followed me on this podcast or social media knows that I completely agree with that. I want to move on. I got a couple more questions about the charts. So they said, I see the low so far is right near the half back and VPOC from yesterday. This Does this indicate that weak traders are in control of the market? Would you take a short here against the half back? And I understand that, yes, right now, this is a sign of weak trading money. That does not mean that you want to fade that market. It can go on for quite a while. You still have to have two sides. If you don't have sellers in the market, this can go on for a considerable period of time. Let me see if I can show you an example of how long this can go on. Let me split this out. It may take me just a second to find this. While you're doing that, Jim, just a quick question here that somebody's asking me. What are your two, repeat your books and also those books that you mentioned? The, my, my books have been around for a long time. The, the first book was Mind Over Markets. A lot has changed since then. The next book was Markets in Profile. A much better way to go is we have a foundational e-course, which is much better. It's something I wanted to do for years until I got my two latest partners a few years ago. I didn't have the resources to really do it, but it's a, about a 10 or 11 hour course where I take a day and I talk through the day. And then my two partners take that day and they put in arrows, places to stop and start and highlight the more significant pieces of information. The foundational e-course is the best source of information to start to get an understanding of what this is really about. The books that I mentioned, they're all by David. There's many books, but these are all by David Eagleman. The Brain, the Story of You, and it's the companion piece to the PBS uh, special. The next book is Incognito, which is really gives you a great understanding of the subconscious, how it works, and the power of the subconscious. And the third book, it's a single word, Live Wired. And it really walks you through what happens in our brain. For example, some of it's just fascinating. Why are so many, not I don't know how many, but we have a lot of musicians that were, the brain has taken some of that information that might have been used to process sight, and they've given some of these musicians extra ability in the hearing. They can hear sounds that the rest of us can't. But understanding that and understanding how that can be applicable to a trader is just fantastic.
Look over here on the left-hand side. Here's a market that's one time framing higher all day long. Notice F, G, H, and I all so close together. This is very weak hands traders. When it's buying at this exact level, the market keeps going up. And so what they're doing, the weaker traders are getting longer and longer. So late in the day, what happens? A little smarter money comes in and says, gotcha. And then you get this liquidation. So you've got to be very careful. It's easy to talk about. It's a lot harder to execute. But understand, understand this is weak money. But it can. It went on for what's it? One hour, two hours, three hours, three and a half hours, and it was the fourth hours that they came and said, "Gotcha." Okay, what else? Got a lot more questions, Jim. So what I'm going to ask you to do is answer some of these just a, a little bit uh, quicker because uh, we're starting to really pile the questions on here, and, and I don't want anybody to think that I'm not going to get to them. And some of these I think are pretty. I think could be quick answers about the charts. So the one thing, is it fair to say you prefer options to futures? And if so, why? I, I use options because they give me more versatility. For example, if I'm long a call, I can go short a future against it and it gives me a hedge. If I'm long puts, I can buy, uh, I can buy futures against it for a rally. For example, right here. It just gives me more flexibility. And it also, because of in many years I've been trading, I have a lot of scars. And those scars can be very hurtful. The, buying the option gives me a little protection against getting wiped out in one swell swoop. Hi, Jim. Is the initial balance levels relevant anymore? No, it is not. That was one of the things that Stottlemyre taught. And I took what he taught early on. I investigated over the years, and I don't think it's relevant. There was a Stottlemyre question up there. I'm going to get to that in a second. So somebody's asking, what do you think about Elliott Waves? I know it's not pertaining to the conversation, but I was curious what you thought about it as well. I wouldn't, I don't think anything about it. It's, <laughs> there's too many things. They're price-based. If you think about it, most technical tools are price-based. Price is an advertising mechanism. Time regulates all opportunities and volume measures the success or failure of advertised opportunities. You take a price-based tool, you say, okay, you're trading an advertising mechanism. Good luck. Here's the question about Stottlemyre said that market profile doesn't fit modern markets and started volume strips. What is your take on that? I, I think it's really un unfortunate. If I think go back and I look and I say, what, what was the thing that Stottlemyre really gave me that I think was tremendously valuable. And it was the simple idea that you can make time a constant. And with time the constant on the horizontal axis, I can compare price, a variable on the vertical axis. That gives me the distribution curve. The distribution curve is simply a scientific way to organize information. That to me is still valid. I think it's valid to any market that is financial in nature. The three components are price, time, and volume. So that's the value to me. And I think it's very applicable to any transaction that is financial in nature. I look at it like this, whatever tool that you like to use, if it provides value to you, that's all that matters. I don't care what anybody else uses. I look at it and say, if it makes sense to me, if it resonates with me, if I'm confident in it, then that's all that matters. The rest of it doesn't matter to me. Uh, so just because this is Stottlemyre, obviously 
a little bit different, but I think a lot of people will say, you know, this tool doesn't work or that tool doesn't work. That just means it doesn't work for them. doesn't mean it won't work for you. That, that's just my two cents on that. My, my statement, Anthony, is right along with yours. If what you are doing works, continue to do it. Yeah. If what you are doing doesn't work, then you've got to rethink everything. Why get in a way of progress? I, I look at it like that. If something's working for you, my whole mindset is to continue to refine it and press it, not, not to get it in front of that. I, this is a good question from Tim Mack. I like this one. The example of the big dog squeezing the small locals can be seen on the screens today. That's something that I think that you and I had talked about. Hasn't that diminished lately because of so much liquidity with algos? There's a that's overthought of algos. If you enter and you send an, a one lot order to a broker electronic trade, that order's entered, done through an algorithm, nothing more than a mathematical computation. But if you take a look at the example I showed you over here, let's just to go back to your question, let's just expand this one more time. Sorry, wrong day. It's right here. And my, my question to you, is it over? There it is. It's right there. We see this all the time. We do these intensive ads go for four and a half weeks. And I'm live every day taking people through the markets. This happens continually. It's not over. It happened before. It happened on the floor. And it still happens just a little bit differently. Julio asks, do you use developing reference levels for the current market profile? I'm sorry, I don't understand the uh, the question. I didn't either. I figured I'd read it. Maybe you did. I use Maybe. the term uh, developing market value. So I'm always saying you have to use your imagination to say, okay, where is value developing? What would it take to change value? For example, values overlapping to higher today. What's it going to take? To, uh, that's, uh, what's it going to take? You To lower it, you'd have to have range extension and time to the downside. So it's always your imagination is important to say, okay, what is happening? Can that change value? So Frank Z said, first of all, respect to you, Jim. Question, what do you mean when you say half back on 30 minutes? Can you show us on the charts? I believe you did show us this, but I just want to- No, I didn't show you the half back on the 30 oh, minutes. Okay. Here it is right here. This is half back on the 30 minutes. See the white line in G period? This line is half back on the daily. This line is half back on the 30 minute. Window Trader, which is the platform that I use, Terry Lieberman, who owns Window Trader, and I were partners for many years. Terry wanted to go more towards uh, software. I wanted to go more towards the educational thing. But a lot of this was built with this idea in mind of the value of site so that you can look and see these are references traders use. and so we put them into the system. From Wu Tony, I have two questions about auctions around IB pit hour. What exactly is happening before market opens and the hour ends? More retail traders have access. Is that pit hours still significant? What happens prior to the opening in the morning? It's there's no simple answer to it. Is the market is the overnight inventory long, short? Is the market reacting to some news? I can't really, I can't really give you a solid answer to that question. There's too many variabilities. Julian Tran, I have a question for Jim. How has using market profile and Jim's trading over the years changed? And how have you adapted 
to those changes. I don't really see any change over the, the years. Like I say, I looked at what Pete talked about early on and some of it, for example, I don't use initial balance. I'm more interested in where values building. Pete used to talk about range extension trades. I don't like range extension trades, range extension relative to the early balance. But the basics of time, price, and volume have not changed over the years. There may be some nuances. He used to have what he called the 80% rule. If you re-entered the value area, the odds were 80%, it would change to the other, it would it make it to the other extreme. I haven't found that to be valid, so I've disregarded that. I don't use initial balance. But the basics of time, price, and volume, organizing the market under a distribution curve have remained and they have not changed. I look at those types of questions and I always say markets, the basic fundamentals of, of what move markets hasn't changed. And it's why would it change? You're going to have different players in there. You're going to have different environments. But the things you talked about, Jim, they're always present in the market price action. They are. Yeah. What changes is us. I think what changes our environments you get. And this is actually a good question. Somebody, let me see if I could find this one. Somebody asked in this low of an environment, how are you making money? I, I can't remember who it was. I'll give you props once I see it, but they're asking, how do you make, how are you making money when you have this low volatile type environment? I remember as a day trader, take a look this morning. There it is. Overnight inventory was too short. Okay. You got a heck of a rally. It died right here. You couldn't take out the overnight high. Tempo pace was very slow. You got a liquidating break. You know, those are your trade. There's a couple, there's a couple of trades right there. Yeah. Someone's asking, do you use Fibonacci retracements at all? Robert Pardon me? Is. Do you use fibs at all? Absolutely not. Positively not. Why? They're not relevant. They're not relevant. Those are they're mechanical type of things. And everybody, they're easy to use. Pivots, fibs, and all of that kind of stuff. The easier something is to use, the less validity it has. This is not what we're talking about here is very complex. When you take a look at, you know, what is the quality, the high, the low, the volume, the shape of the pro, that's complex. And guess what? Most people are too lazy to get involved and really learn to understand it. Most people will not take the time to read the books I'm talking about. A great example, we have a client that was 23 years, a professional coach with the championship baseball team. And one of the things he introduced me to when I was talking about this is an outfielder in baseball looking at the gazing up and seeing the, the, the ball hit in the air and runs and catches that ball. Guess what? A computer can't do that because it can't make the calculations fast enough to look at the, the height of the ball, the speed, the way it's hit, the wind, and go catch the ball. A human being can do that. Our ability, once we hone that intuition, our ability to do that is quite outstanding. But people don't want to take the time. They want to use pivots. They want to use Fibonacci's. They want to use easy indicators in order to make their decisions. Oh, and I mean, I'm sorry, that's just not going to do it. That's why when the educators dangle that little new secret in front of everybody, it, there's always going to be a business for that because people want something that's quick, easy, and going to be able to make money right away. And it just is not the case. You have to put the work in. 
we, Jim and I can't stress this enough. Keep putting the questions in. And also during this time, I'm going to be pulling up my next, my next question. If you're watching this on Twitter, make sure you give Jim a follow. He's tagged in this. Retweet it. Let more people uh, come on in and join this conversation. I'm going to continue to ask questions. It's rare that you get time to spend with a legend like uh, like Jim. Also, make sure you follow him on Twitter. I've been putting up there his course. He's doing something really fabulous, and I put that in there. And so it's, you're gonna be, you can go to jimdalton.com, jimdaltontrading.com slash courses to check that out. And, of course, I have, I'll have links and stuff that I continue to put out there. And also, like on the YouTube to get more people, get that algo going to, to be able to come in and check out this conversation that we're having. And, Jim, like I said, I really appreciate you taking the time. And we've got a few more questions. I won't burn you out, but I think this one, there's a few more here I think that are very important to talk about is I'm going to go to Andrew's question real quick. He says, what's your typical holding period for a day trade? There is no answer to that. Yep, that's why I wanted to put it out there because what price gets you in, price gets you out, right? Does it? Well, it's price. It's, well, here, here's the most important thing is, and, and this is people just draw a blank and they they don't have the patience for it. The most important thing is to how to monitor a trade for continuation. For example, if I buy this low down here, how do I monitor for continuation? One, I want it to one time frame higher. I want it to clearly get above half back. I want to have some volume. I want to have good pace. Doesn't do that. I'm out. Most of my orders are market orders. People say, what price did you get in? What price did you get out? Exactly where? Very seldom do I have an exactness. If I'm looking at the market and it's right, I go market long or market short. I not look, Exactness kills. I learned that phrase years ago. I used to do a lot of kayaking. And one of the things they taught you was not to wear cotton because cotton holds water. It gets cold. You fall over. You get wet. Use things that wick well. And I, that exact that thing that cotton killed, and I translate immediately, and I said, you know what? Exactness kills in the market. Too many people want exactness. Another thing that I think people say, how do we, what do you look for confirmation? You really want to lose money? You get a trend day. And I think to make money in the market, you have to be able to take advantage of the one or two big days a week. If you get a trend day up or a trend day down, a big day up or down, oh, I'm waiting for confirmation. By the time you're waiting for the confirmation, <laughs> it's gone. Oh, be, gosh. train yourself to go with the market. That is so difficult to, for I think so many traders to wrap their, their mind around because I know that for myself, this is really one of the things that really helped my trajectory go from just paying the bills to really becoming a successful trader who made some money is that the times where I saw opportunity and it was right there where I felt the move was underway or it's just about to turn or something that, that just triggered where I saw it, I did not hesitate and I would press. Yeah, you're going to get burned along the way a few times, but you get better and better at it. So many people think you come in, if you know the number is, oh, let's just say I want to make a thousand bucks a day and they want to make 20,000 a month or whatever it is. That is done in, in a, a small portion of your month. It's not done every single day. Now, some people will say, well, I've been able to do that and I do that. That's great. But in my experience, and I've looked at so many of my statements over the years, and I would always be like, what you're trying to achieve on a daily basis is unrealistic. But the days that it's there, I have to be able to learn how to take more. I think psychologically, people get pinned to a daily number. And I see some of these people out there putting tweets. Oh, it's amazing how much it adds up if you just make 500 bucks a day. Yeah, I'd like to sign up every single day 
and just have something do that for me. It's just not realistic. Some days I'm going to make thousands. Other days I'm going to lose a few hundred. Then maybe I'll make thousands again. Or It's always going to be different. I can't force what I'm going to make in a day. But when it is happening, you better take advantage of it. Because to me, that's really what's going to separate you from, I, I, I go back to myself, paying the bills or just existing to really putting yourself on the map as a successful trader. I, I think it's hard to do that. But that goes back to gym experience. I think you really have to get to that point and you can't think that every single day you're going to come in and be profitable because not every day is going to give you something. Anthony, one of the things that is probably, my partner goes crazy sometimes because it's probably one of the worst marketing statements I can make, but it's something I truly believe. We do not attempt to teach you how to trade. Our attempt is to teach you how to think about the markets and how to think about the trading. If you learn how to think about it, then you have a fighting chance, just as you were talking right then and there. If you learn how to think about the markets, all of a sudden, the opportunities will present themselves. The trader that I think is in the biggest trouble is the trader that comes in the morning and they're looking for a trade. And people don't understand when I said, if you're looking for a trade, you're probably going to find a trade and it's probably going to be wrong. When you gain experience, all of a sudden you recognize the trade when it comes to you. You see a basketball player going down the floor and pass behind his back. He wasn't thinking about passing behind their back. The situation was there. The intuition was honed and it happened. And it just came to them. They weren't going, oh, I'm going to go down the floor and think and pass behind my back. That is a Terrible concept for people to understand, but I think it's very valid. This is a great question by PD Legend. How do you not hesitate on those trend days and know it will be a trend day? You don't know. Remember, I just exactly. said the importance of monitoring for continuation. If you know how to monitor for continuation, you can attempt a lot more trades because it doesn't work. You're out of it pretty quickly. Too many people do not know how to quickly exit something that's wrong. Uh, the, the trend date, we don't ring a bell. There's no great advertisement. All of a sudden, it's there. And it's usually, it happens pretty quickly. And there will be confidence surrounding a trend date. You'll just feel the confidence. There'll be there are little pullbacks. Anytime the market sets back at all, you see some pretty solid buying. The market will start to one time frame. You'll see, whoops, did I do that? It's okay. I lost my chart somehow. Um, it's okay. We don't need them. We're, we're near the end of the questions okay. anyway. So yeah, I go back to PD Legends question. It's okay. Look at if you are like Jim just said, you don't know that it's going to continue, but put tools in to help guide you along the way. I use Bollinger Bands. I like when markets are hugging a top Bollinger Band. Most people look to sell that top Bollinger Band when it starts to rub against it. I look at it and say, keep going as it's going. You've got to put tools in. I'm a very visual person. Obviously all of us are. We talked a lot about that today. Put something into play that helps guide you through it. But you definitely want to go against these trends. I think that's another thing that should be talked about is death by a thousand cuts, looking for the two, three tick pullback against it. That's that's another wrong way uh, to approach it. I've got a few more questions here, Let me, Jim. Can I, re can I respond to your comment about the Bollinger Band? Sure. That's one of my favorite things. I said to people, look, if you're going up towards one of the bands and you're going up on good volume and elongated profile, you've got a pretty good odds you're going through that band. If you're going up on slower volume, truncated profile, it's a pretty good chance that band's, band's going to come back at you. You can I don't care what tools you're using. 
if you understand how to look at the market and organize under the market profile, you can increase the odds of what you're doing with something like a Bollinger Band or exactly. a trend line, anything. You come up to a trend line. Yeah. If you're going to take out that trend line, you ought to come up on pretty good volume and some confidence. You come up on low volume, low confidence, trend line may hold. Yeah, it's so important, everybody. This is why I hinted at this earlier when I was trying to get across that conversation with you and what do you look at besides market profile? And you've got to use, I, I think, other tools and have contacts, all the things we talked about to be able to really build a sustainable strategy. That's just the way I feel about it. And we've talked a lot about this today. And this is another really good question, I think. Captain Axelrod is asking, Jim, do you have a playbook? If so, how many setups do you have roughly or are you super discretionary? Kind of fits into what we're talking about. One of the words that turns me inside out is the term setups. We get all kinds <laughs> of people that say, I'll take your course. Uh, do you use setups? And I say, no. If a setup really worked, it would have been arbitraged away so quickly. The Goldman Sachs's and the, the Morgan Stanley's would have taken those things. It's a dream. Somebody has told you that's existing. It doesn't. That's a great way to commit suicide. Totally. Jim, a lot of these questions, I think, are a little bit redundant of what we had. I want to do, I'm going to put something up here real quick. I talked a little bit about it in the so far today in the show, and it's just that course. And for those of you that are listening to this just on audio only, talk a little bit about this, Jim, on September 22nd. You say this is not a beginner course. You're doing some things at jimdaltontrading.com slash courses for trade market profile. Because a lot of the questions I'm getting are, how do I learn how to use charts like this? And you've talked a lot about uh, this. I'm not here to teach you uh, what to think. I'm teaching you how to think. And I think that's extremely important. And you say this is not for beginners, but it's for traders. Talk to everybody a little bit about this course and what you'll be talking about. The first is, the, like I said, the foundational e-course gives you the basics of the market profile and gives you the basics of how we think and approach market. It's about a 10, 11 hour course. Uh, it's done in a very high level. That gives you a foundation. When you get into the intensive, which is our premier course, it goes from September 22nd to October 22nd. Each day we start off with a webinar each morning in order to get you oriented towards the market. There will be two or three webinars a day. And then we have what I call live commentary allows me to input from my computer screen to your computer screen, things that you ought to be looking at throughout the market. Sometimes I'll just put a one line comment. Other times it will be a graph with an arrow pointing something out in order to help train your mind of what to look at. And then we do sometimes, usually a couple days a week, we will replay a day. We can we record all days. We can replay them, stop, start, talk about what was important, and recap that day. It's another great learning term. The most important thing to learning is it's almost impossible to learn without being engaged. You can't learn baseball from sitting in the stands. You may learn how to observe it, but not how to play. So what we're trying to do, do everything we can to keep you as close to being engaged in the market as possible. It's awesome. Everybody go check it out. Make sure you follow Jim on Twitter. You absolutely have to. He's like I said, he's a legend. He's, he's the, you're the godfather of market profile, Jim. That was pretty funny when you and I were talking about this the other day. I said, hope you're ready for this. We're going to, we're going to start naming you the godfather of market profile, but you're such a generous person with your time. 
And you've been a mentor to so many people without really actually getting to know you. So I can't thank you enough for taking the time to, to join me today. So much I uh, respect I have for you and, and thankful I am for everything you've done for so many traders in this industry. So thank you again, my friend. And I look forward to having you back on next time, or I think we're going to have a little bit of a market profile crew on here. We're going to talk with a lot of different traders about how they've learned from you and what they've done to, to build strategies. I think it'd be a really fun conversation. Everybody like this YouTube video. Subscribe if you're enjoying the podcast. If you're not, give me the thumbs down and tell me why. Put it in the comments. Jim, thank you again, my friend, for joining me. Next week, everybody, is Leif. He was the 2019 investing champion. So he's next week on the live stream. And like I said, Jim, thank you again so much for joining me today. Thanks for the opportunity. Thank you for listening to Futures Radio Show. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a five-star review on iTunes. Never miss an episode. Go to anthonycrudelli.com and get on our email list for show notifications and for free content that is exclusively for subscribers. Also on anthonycrudelli.com, you will find tons of videos and education on trading futures, options, and crypto. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Opinions expressed are solely my own and my guests, and they do not express the views or opinions of my sponsors. Future's radio show is produced by Crudelli Productions.